This is Music Mentality with Angie. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey everyone, welcome back. My name is Angie, she, her pronouns, and today we've got Scuff Mixon. Now let me tell you guys, this dude is amazing and I loved picking his brain. Today we'll be talking about dad jokes and don't worry, you'll get to hear some. We also talk about working jobs that you don't love and overworking yourself. We explore how Scuff blends spoken word poetry into his music to develop his niche. And we talk about losing loved ones and grief, particularly losing his father. So here's a trigger warning. This episode may be a little bit difficult for some listeners. Finally, we chat about gratitude and the sacrifices needed to pursue what you love. This episode is a little bit of a longer one, so it's broken down into two parts in which the second part will be released next week. You can find Scuff's music on all streaming platforms by typing his name just as you see it in the title of this episode. Hey. <laughs> Hi. How are you doing? Thank you for that. Not too bad at all. Um, let me light this candle. I'm just trying to get my mood right in here. Ooh, honestly, I feel that. What kind of candle is it? So my girlfriend, she made me a magnificent candle. Oh, cool. It's fresh basil, rosemary, and eucalyptus. It's a reviving. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm ready. <laughs> What's going ready. on? How are you today? I'm okay. I'm okay. Just honestly doing some homework, you know, finishing up my undergraduate degree and um, trying to get through it. But, oh, gosh. Good for you. Oof, it's hard. It's hard, especially when you lose the motivation to do it, you know? Yeah, I almost made it through college. So <laughs> get that degree. <laughs> It's hard. It's hard to like stay that committed to something, especially once you lose the passion for it, where you find like your true passion and what you really want to do with your life. So sure. But I've been listening to Magnificent a lot, your new song. (laughs) Kind of what prompted me to reach out to you. Like I saw an ad on Instagram for Magnificent and it was amazing. Um, Oh, thank you. One line the line that I resonate with most in Magnificent is you got to laugh or you'll cry because that has literally <laughs> been like everything for me. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to make jokes. I'm going to laugh. I'm going like, <laughs> to lighten the mood because like, what's the alternative? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Crying for sure. That's literally, I like been my motto and I kept saying it to my friends and they were like, are you trying to like get that to catch on or something? And I was like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I think it's a good motto. And 
And uh, then it just ended up like, you know, I was writing the song and it ended up just fitting perfect. And I was like, yes, I can finally use this. And honestly, uh, yeah, that's like, motto. that's been the motto. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah, I live by, I never put it into those words exactly, but I mean, sure. Yeah. I definitely use a lot of humor as my defense mechanism and I'm not sure if you relate oh, to God. that or not, but <laughs> yeah, definitely. Sometimes to a fault. Sometimes I go, uh Oh, I probably shouldn't uh, be trying to cover up this with, you know, a bad joke or a dad joke <laughs> or uh, whatever. <laughs> I actually in grade six, ah, that's a lie in grade six, all the way through like my 12th grade, I was known for um, making dad jokes and just like throwing them in, sprinkling them in yeah. every now and then. So I definitely feel uh, you. we should, uh, we should trade some, trade some uh, bad jokes later on. <laughs> I got a couple, I got a favorite bad joke that I think is the best bad joke, but uh, I'd say like, less than 40% of people laugh at it. So I don't know how successful it is. Please do share. <laughs> Please share. Okay. So you ready? This is yeah. the joke. All right. So a lady walks into a library and she says, Hey, can I get a, a large fry and a, and a large burger? And, and the lady goes to the librarian. She looks at her and she says, ma'am, you're in a library. And she goes, Oh, I'm sorry. Can I, can I get a medium fry and a, and a burger? <laughs> Where did you hear that one? Oh God, I wish I knew. I wish I could, I could go back and tell whoever told me to, to untell me that joke. Cause I tell it all the time <laughs> and it's just not good, but I think it's so funny. I, don't, I literally tried it on all my friends. They're like, that's not the one you got to find a new one. And I just refuse. I think it's, I think it's good. You know what? You know, stick to your guns. You know, you know that this joke makes you laugh and that's all that matters, right? <laughs> somebody is going to make somebody's life one day. They're going to be like, that is the best joke I've ever heard. And I'm <laughs> that be like, is the one. <laughs> Come with me. It's you and me now. <laughs> that's funny. So do you apply any dad jokes to your music writing? Uh, that's a great question. And it's something I actually was talking to, to my friend about the other day and um, I have a song called Boss Man, and it's kind of written from the perspective of a boss that I had that was just, you know, not good to anybody, What it is what it seems like. <laughs> and uh, so I, I wrote that from his perspective, and I've been trying to really, um, like some of my music is, is pretty heavy. Magnificent has like a nice like light heartedness to it but you can tell that there's some you know like life is hard but we're gonna get through it type of vibe um but i felt like a lot of my songs like my sense of humor didn't really show through um and people couldn't get that from my music which i i kind of tried to focus on like well i want some things to come off as sarcastic but it's hard to sound sarcastic at times when you're singing and stuff so um boss man was like yeah you know it's exactly it's like trying to have that sarcastic tone in a text and someone's just like why are you just being mean and you're like oh no no <laughs> i'm just it was a bad joke i'm so sorry but um but yeah like boss man was the first one that i kind of really tried that with and then um such a dog as well i did like a lot of really cliche dog puns that I was worried might be too cliche, but 
I think they've turned out it, it, again. It's like, it's not lit that they're jokes, but you can tell that there is like a playfulness around it, I think. And I've had a couple people message me about, you know, boss man. And they were like, man, I feel like uh, this one guy sent me like a really nice message. And it was just like, dude, I broke down on my way to work, just realizing like, you know, this job's not for me. And I feel like I'm becoming the boss man. Like, I feel like I'm becoming kind of just a sour, bitter man because I hate my job so much. And I don't know if he quit his job and I'm not telling anyone to do that. <laughs> but I, I think am. that you know, if you hate your job, quit. <laughs> yeah, if you hate your job and it is like mentally killing you, there are other jobs. You will find another job. Just keep looking like it's not worth um, just mental torture every day, you know, to make whatever you make there. And, and you know, I've known, you know, family members that have taken pay cuts as 50 year olds because they're just like, this isn't even worth it to me. You know, my, I don't have a good quality of life. And I have, I'm making good money, but what does that mean besides that if your quality of life isn't good? So yeah, you're right. Quit that job if it sucks. I'm behind <laughs> it. But uh, yeah, I've been trying to show more sense of humor in my stuff. I like that question. That's a very good. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I find that a lot of music that I personally write tends to be like darker and deeper, like, especially when I'm like in my feels, I'm like, oh my God, like, mm, I don't want to live, but I do. And like, let's take yeah. a song. But, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but then my roommate, she also is really, really good at writing deeper songs, but she actually introduced me to lighter songs. Kind of like, I don't know if you've ever listened to Hobo Johnson, but I love um, Hobo John. Yeah. He's awesome. Good. Vibes. Yeah. Very good. He vibes, like makes you want to cry, but yeah. laugh too. So funny. actually um, listening to your music, you remind me a lot of Hobo Johnson in the spoken word of your music. It's like <laughs> amazing. It's very different from the conventional, what we usually hear. And I really love that, especially because in back in high school, way back when um, right. I, <laughs> I was in a poetry club and I loved slam poetry. I loved writing poetry, but then I also loved writing music and to see those two really, but and the line is pretty thin. I mean, it's music is poetry. It is. But um, yeah, absolutely. To get that poetry spoken word vibe in your music is so beautiful because you really find a way to mend your po your spoken word poetry as well as your more so musical. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, no, that's I mean, that's a that's exactly how it happened. And, and honestly, my experience with it is like pretty much your story. I, I went to college and was taking poetry minor and uh my teacher was just kind of like look man like it's not that your poetry is bad it's just that you really do write in like song he was like you're not writing in uh you know in this form or this form or this form or and i was like so what are you saying you know and he was basically like first off there's not much of a like living in poetry and he just kind of kept it real with me. He's like, unless you want to teach poetry or be a professor, which I actually taught children's art class for, uh, I think it was three years out in Chicago, which I loved. So I, I didn't uh, fully like, it wasn't out of the question that I would become a college poetry teacher or something, but I don't know. It didn't feel right in my heart. I was like, I don't know if that's like what I was going for with all this and he was literally like, well, you play music, right? And I was like, yeah. 
and I was singing in bands and stuff like little like heavier screamo and you know I grew up in like that kind of scene so I wasn't really singing about much it was kind of just words to songs that I was emulating things that I listened to and um but I wasn't writing about like inward feelings or like experiences that I've had in the world and I don't know when he, when he said that that's kind of right when I started making solo music and it did always have these little bursts of spoken word esque things in it. And it's crazy because I just made a TikTok. I just found all these wonderful people who introduced me to like hotel books and a new listener. Listener was one of my favorite bands, but like uh, I knew Hobo Johnson, but people were like, you know, Oh, you remind me of Hobo Johnson or listener or hotel books. And I started checking out all these bands and, groups and writers and they were they were incredible and I was like oh my gosh like you think I sound like that that's awesome <laughs> man like but um I was so surprised that I didn't that no one in my life had showed me like spoken word esque music and it was something I knew had to be out there but the only real ones I ever heard was was Hobo Johnson and and listener so I've expanded my world so much from like all these wonderful people just being like, you need to check out this guy and this group and this band. And, and, uh, I guess, yeah, there's, there's a place for it. And like people like you and I that like words, those people are finding it. And it's like, I love words, man. I need time with them so that I say them right. But, uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been so cool to like merge all of it together and, to kind of see it work in a sense. Cause I don't know. I mean, I've been doing this so long and there, there's just never been anyone listening, you know, that's what it feels like at least. I mean, it's what so. it feels like, but I will <laughs> say that is not the case. I mean, like I'm all the way over here in Toronto and I'm listening. So, Oh um, my gosh. And I know that there are I other people too, 110%. And I will say your niche is a pretty unexplored niche but I love it. And I think it is definitely worth exploring. And it's really awesome how like clearly art breeds art. Like you were so inspired yeah. by listener and Hobo Johnson. You were like, okay, like how do I learn from these people and apply what I've learned into my own music? So do you have a particular song where you kind of like, okay, this is my sound. This is what I like. What was the first song that like really made you feel that way? Oh my gosh. Um, it was honestly, it was probably about seven years ago that I started writing stuff where I was like, started feeling a little more confident, I guess, just like I could say, say it with conviction and know that I meant it. And I started finding like, and, and I always say this and people always go, that's not true, but I, I truly believe that I don't have the best singing voice. And a lot of times it comes out different how, you know, I, I, I'm like, oh, it just doesn't sound, that's not it, you know? I wouldn't want to hear that. And I think that like about seven years ago, I made a couple songs just like with my roommates and stuff, just kind of messing around. Um, so it's not even anything on the internet, but I would say... Oh my gosh. <laughs> I would say Arios 
is one of the first songs I made completely by myself. And it was just words I really liked, which was Kiss Matt um, and Arios, which I think it might actually be Arios. Um, but that wouldn't have worked for the song. So I changed the word. So sue me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think like within the last three years was when it really started honing in. Seven years ago was like I wrote a song with my roommates after a really tough time. And it was just so real. And I was like, whoa, this is what I want to do. Like, I don't want to write about, you know, a flood in a city and there's sharks swimming around and like, you know, the metal ask of writing music where it was just like at least my way of writing metal was like these ridiculous sci-fi scenes and you know <laughs> aliens from outer space and I, to me it just uh feels so much better to get something out of myself and that is a hard question i'm mm. honestly just stalling that is a hard <laughs> question i don't know how to answer no that's okay uh, that, i mean i don't know how to answer is an answer and that's totally okay <laughs> Yeah, I think it was probably like over like a span of, you know, 10 songs that it really started to morph into what it is now. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's important, like I don't approach every song like, oh, I have to put spoken word in here. Mm -hmm. But it's more or less like it's so nice because it's free if you, you know, you come out of a chorus and you're just feeling that like that energy and you can kind of just go off into this you know, I guess, tantrum for lack of better words. Um, and you could just kind of freak out for a minute and like say what you want to say and then find your way back into the melody. And you know, a lot of my friends, I'll show them a song and they'll be like, I don't know what, how that made sense to me, but it works. Yeah. But like, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't I know. I find Magnificent. Your song Magnificent really embodies that, especially because I'm like, whoa, like you just went from speaking to singing then speaking and singing again. And I don't even know where that transition <laughs> took place, but it took place somewhere and it was amazing. And oh. um, really weird comparison, but it kind of reminds me of, and I've been listening to this song recently, so maybe that's why it reminds me of it, but Happier Than Ever by Billie Eilish. It's not the same thing at all, but... It starts off very, very calm. And somehow towards sure. the middle, she just like, like expands into this like orchestra, like powerful tone. And it like carries on that sound all the way throughout. And there's just like this huge contrast. And that contrast totally. is kind of what reminds me of your music. Um, and I love that. I think it's such a skill. It's such a talent. And it's a rare talent for people to have. But I was going to say, it sounds like whatever you went through seven years ago, that turbulence really really gave ground for you to find your sound and to free to find your place. Yeah. Uh, there was definitely like a good, I would call it like a five year period where, um, so I grew up in Cleveland, uh, 19 years old, my dad passed away. So that was like a huge pivot in life where, uh, I, I you know, you're graduating college or I'm sorry, you're graduating high school. I'm going into, you know, I'm trying to figure out like, what am I going to college for? Do I want to go to college? You know, uh, what's the next big move? You know, I had a job forever. I had jobs my whole, like, since I was 13 and, you know, my dad was just like, he, he was always kind of like pushing me to, Hey man, like, this is the real world. Like, 
you're 13 now, you better start making some money, you know, like not in a mean way, but like in a motivational way. So, you know, I was like grinding my happy little ass off from the time I was like 13 and 19 rolls around. And like, you know, I was in a band and my dad really believed in the music thing. Like he was like, if you want to do this, like you need to put everything you got into it. And, you know, you still need to have a job. You still need to do your schoolwork and all that. And, uh, and then he went in for a lung transplant and, you know, was days away from getting it. So it was, uh, an unexpected thing, which, you know, it was supposed to go smoothly and a couple weeks recovery. And then, and then he would have been out. Well, I was supposed to move to Chicago and when he got sicker in the hospital with blood clots and then, you know, it just kept like going downhill once he got to the hospital. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, I'm, I'm not going to Chicago now, obviously. And he kept saying, you know, just go like, and I'll be out in a couple of weeks and I'll come visit you. And, uh, I knew for a fact, I wasn't going to leave, you know, still thought he was going to pull through and everything was going to be great, but I didn't want to leave him. So thank God I, uh, did stay and, you know, I uh, got a call from my mom one day that basically I just knew, uh, by the tone in her voice mm-hmm. and got in my car and went and said my goodbyes. And it was, you know, uh, if you've been through loss it is just like, it's a dream. It's the worst dream you could have, but nothing like felt real. And mm-hmm. from there, it was, you know, his funeral and, you know, family stuff and everything that follows a loss, which is just like the hardest thing ever because everyone deals differently. And mm-hmm. uh, it was like, you know, not even two months later, I believe I was in Chicago trying to started a new life and I didn't really have, I had my uncle out there who helped me for a little bit, um, just like kind of get on my feet. And then from there I got my own place and it was just like, I had one friend, maybe two at the time out there that, you know, one was a new friend and one moved in with me. And we were just like out in the world, lost in general, plus this huge void that I had felt. And Chicago is not an easy place to live without a lot of money. So, you know, it quickly turned to like just a five year nonstop uh, fast track to like growing up and doing it like real, real quick Um, to the point where I guess I just never had time to like deal with it and, you Mm -hmm. know face it head on it was more of like i'll just have some beers with my friends or you know like Mm -hmm. just drown that out i don't want to think about that right now and uh i truly feel like until the past couple years i didn't deal with that and you know i feel like i was always a decent person but i feel like i really started getting off track in, in my early 20s just as like just not being good to myself. And therefore that was hurting my friends and family and, you know, them having to worry about me and just stuff like that, where I became, you know, just a bit of a a tornado, I guess I was just spiraling. And, um, 
yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I ended up doing a lot of dumb stuff and ended, ended myself up in a little stay at a mental institution because, you know, I just, I drank myself to oblivion, made tons of bad decisions, just like saying dumb things to your friends. Like, I don't want to die, but I don't want to live. And them being like, well, that's enough for me to call someone. And, you know, and I don't blame them. I'm glad that they, that they did, because I think being in a place like that kind of made me realize like, you know, wow, man, you, you really did. You took it too far this time. You know, you're, you're screwing up and that's quite obvious now. Yeah, you and, know that uh, actually that so I'm so sorry, but that reminds me of one no, of the song lyrics actually. Um, Timber, and it's the best thing mm-hmm. that you can do for me. Is sorry, the best thing I could do for you is to work on me, and the best thing that you can do for yep. me is to work on you too. And absolutely, I think that is such an important message because it's like the airplane analogy. You know, you gotta put your mask on first before you put on the person beside you. So you really gotta take care of yourself before you take care of other people. Um, and it's I think, so true. Yeah. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, is that kind of where Timber was inspired from? Um, I think it absolutely came from a buildup. Um, it it kind of all fell out when I ended up quitting that bad job I was telling you about. I finally said, you know, screw it. I'm out of here. Um, Got to save myself type of thing. We'll figure Good it job. out. Good job. <laughs> And then like, so basically I told my boss, I was like, Hey, I uh, just need a minute. I'll just, I'll be right back. And I went to my car and, you know, just had that like gripping of the steering wheel moment where it was like, I am baby driver. I'm about to full force, just peel out of this parking lot and never come back. And you know, I, um, I just, I honestly like broke down in my car and just started crying. And I was like, dude, what am I doing? Like, is my dad proud? Like, I'm about, I just quit my job. I don't have any job lined up. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm too old for this. I could, you know, like I'm not 19. I do think he is proud because he was someone who stood up for himself and what he believed in. And, uh, and I think I'm the same way. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was three in the morning. I left work. It was a third shift job. And I was just crying on the way home. Just like, what am I doing? And like, yeah, like absolutely ugly crying. And I got home and I wrote Timber in its entirety. And it was just like something that for me was a kind of like you got to laugh or you'll cry. It was like a daily affirmation. Like, dude, you you can't possibly be good like you should be good to your mom, your sister, your girlfriend, your friends, your everyone in your life that you care about if you're not okay. <laughs> and it's, it's all those cliche sayings. You can't love someone until you love yourself. And all those, mm-hmm. every cliche I've ever heard has come to life. At, yeah. at, you know? It's, yeah. And it's, um, when I was like there's 16, a reason. yeah, there is a reason. hundred percent. I remember when I was 16, I wrote this one line for my poetry. Oh man, I hardly remember it. It's like, um, oh, you can't find yourself unless you lose yourself first. And mm. that brings up the whole feeling of, yeah, and it's true. It's a really scary thing to lose yourself, but at the same thing, at the same time, it's like a really scary thing to be numb. It's scarier to be numb than it is to, to feel. Sure. Um, Absolutely. And to, yeah. And to feel is such a powerful tool. I mean, 
no one, no one likes being sad. No one likes being hurt, but feeling those feelings and acknowledging them is like, I remember I recently spoke to someone who said that if you don't acknowledge those feelings, you're stripping yourself of the lessons you will learn from them. And it's true. I think that. I love that. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like you have to take the, the lesson that, you know, something horrible in your life that's happened. Um, otherwise, you know, what, otherwise it's the, you took nothing from it and it's just, Mm -hmm. it's just a bad thing. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of teachings like that, like that are very just remember more so the bad things. And I know that almost seems like the opposite that you would want to do, but, but it's not, it's, you know, serious healing that needs to be done. And all those things, you know, like when you're younger and at 19, my dad dies and all of a sudden everyone wants me on antidepressants. And I have nothing against antidepressants. You know, I have friends and families that it's, it's pulled them out of really scary places and, the, and it's done, it's turned their whole life around. Mm-hmm. And then I have people that, you know, it hasn't really worked for and they went holistic and whatever. But, uh, you know, I think that it's like, when I was young, it was just like, ah, oh, therapy. I don't want that. I don't need that. You know, and it took seven years to talk to me. And I don't go now, but I did go for, I went for about a year, found a, a she was only a couple years older than, you know, maybe five years older than me. Super nice. She was just, uh, didn't seem like a therapist. She just seemed like someone you could talk to. It wasn't like the book, textbook therapist. And uh, she helped me a lot. She helped me in ways that I just didn't realize, you know, that I wasn't eating. And she was like, okay, this is what we're doing. You know, you need to set alarms in your phone. So I have, to this day, I have alarms that go off that says eat banana. <laughs> it's like, and I'm like, oh shoot, I got to eat today. Like, well, you know, but it, see that reminder, it's like, I feel like people you. who aren't even going through anything difficult sometimes need that reminder because I mean, we're always going through something difficult. Let's face it. Even if we don't always. consciously are aware of it, there's always something at the back of our minds. And sometimes exactly. we forget to drink our water. We forget to eat. We forget to take care of ourselves, to sleep, to rest. Um, so, I mean, good on you for having those alarms. I think it's really important to remind yourself that you got to be healthy and you got to take care of yourself first yeah, and foremost. Definitely. And honestly, I mean, in the past year, um, you know, all the things that I've been cutting out and I, I, I do exactly like, uh, you know, I don't know for me personally, maybe this helps people. A couple of my friends have adopted it since, and we kind of have fun, like comparing and letting each other know, but like, I, it sounds OCD, but it takes seconds to do. It's like every morning I wake up, I do my morning ritual. You know, I keep track of like, Hey dude, you only drank one water today. You know, Hey, you should probably stretch. I, I try to do like my morning routine is down to like, you know, 200 pushups, 200 sit-ups, 15 minutes of yoga, two glasses of water. Like, and it's insane what that's done for me. And two years ago, I would have been like, I don't, you know, like that's stupid. That's not yoga's lame. And, you know, I just didn't, I wasn't open-minded to these things because honestly, I think it was just like, I just didn't want to sit with it. You know, I would rather just move past it and deal with it later or something, which turned into almost 10 years later, finally facing 
these things that happened. And, and, you know, that point in, in my life was, was just the big move and, and my dad and friends dying from high school and friends dying in Chicago from gang violence and a lot of stuff happened in that very short period of time where I just, I didn't have a choice, but to basically start writing about that stuff. And that's when, um, scuff Mixon came about was my dad's name was Mick. And I went by scuff because my teacher called me scuffy, which I actually never liked. <laughs> and, um, my friends, thankfully they dropped the Y and at least it was scuff. And I was like, that's less bad. And then, um, yeah, my dad was just such a believer in my music when I finally came out of like, you know, that dark place of just like not being able to write or feel like I was a writer anymore. You know, it's just like, ah, these are just words. They don't mean anything. I, I got really cynical about my art and I finally realized that that was hurting me. And I went back and dove in and started writing like an absolute madman and kind of found my self and my style through that time. And um, I realized a lot of my songs were just too many words to sing it. I had to speak it and rap it almost, but I was like, but I don't want to rap. I'm not a rapper. I don't want to be a rapper. So like, I don't know. It was just uh, that whole time molded almost everything. And now it's just kind of a, a s- slow evolution into song to song. But um. Yeah, I used to just be Scuff and I, I changed my name to Mixon, Scuff Mixon, because I used to like do like, I don't know, karate. I used to karate chop my dad all the time, basically. It was really <laughs> mean. And like he would just be relaxing after work and I would like crawl up on the floor and he'd be like on the couch eating his chips or whatever. And I would just like jump up and karate chop him. And I would be like, I am Scuff Mixon. And I would like strike a pose. And he thought it was like the funniest thing ever. So I always used to do, I'm Scuff Mixon. And you've really kept him alive through your music. Yeah. And um, so for that, I feel like at this point, I have a little bit of peace where I'm like, I do think he he would be proud. And I do think he would be really excited and like happy to see where, you know, we are now. Mm -hmm. Even like my sister, you know, I have a nephew. It's crazy. It's just life keeps going and uh it does not stop for nothing well <laughs> it sounds like you've made like so much progress through the years that you've evolved and grew in like so many more ways than one um so above all else it makes me very happy that your dad would be proud but are you proud yes i am um i'm proud like recently just Um, being able to put things out and like not be nervous for like people to say, Oh, that song sucks or whatever. Cause like, you know, I see comments and that of course it strikes a chord and I go, Oh, why? But like, I'm proud right now because I feel like, like someone like you, the podcast I was on yesterday, like the people that are finding this, they're not, just like anybody's they're not just like oh we're like a fan like it's like yo i feel you and you know there's like a deeper connection like the the people that are here for it right now are just so 
so nice. And like, mm-hmm. I feel so lucky because a lot of fan bases are just kind of weird. And mm-hmm. like, I don't even like the word fans, but I don't know, whatever. Um, I just feel really lucky that there's a lot of people here that are not afraid to be vulnerable, that are not afraid to feel and be open. And, you know, big men that work out that are like, bro, that shit, that made me cry, bro. It's like who this masculine bullshit. Like, I think it's quite sometimes the opposite, actually, though. I think that beautiful to feel. It is, but I think all these people, it's not that they're not afraid to be vulnerable. I think it's the opposite. I think everyone, well, many people are terrified to be vulnerable. I'm always scared to be vulnerable, but it's like pushing past those fears and realizing that your vulnerability is bigger than your fears. It's necessary. It's more needed for your own growth, you know? Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, it kind of reminds me of all these people who are like, no, like, I'm afraid to be vulnerable. Does that mean like, like, even though I'm trying to be vulnerable and I'm afraid, does that mean like I'm not growing? No, I think that it's, you know, facing your fears and being like, I actually control you. You do not control me is a huge, huge, amazing thing. And it sounds like you've really embodied that. I'm trying really hard. And it's one of those things where you hear yourself, you know, give your friend advice who's just not feeling so hot and I give him the best advice I feel like and then I go wait a minute like you need to take that advice you know it's that's so hard (laughs) it's so hard you know it's so easy to sometimes look at it and be like hey man you know you're you got this and stuff but it's like think about when I'm when I think about when I'm in that sense and someone goes, Hey man, tomorrow's another day. And I just go another bad one, you know, and it's tough to get in that, that, uh, that space. But I agree. I think that like people are really truly starting to just open up and realize that like, it is very rare that you're going to feel a pain. Like we pain really is that like great equalizer. We all feel it one way or another. And eventually we all experience unfortunately like a great loss in our life um you know and those things uh i don't know it's good to talk about them it is i feel like i just talked so much about it you know and i feel that that's amazing that's really really pours out it should i mean if it doesn't pour out it's being bottled in right um exactly so I was going to say, yes, the chances are that the people who are listening to this, um, people who have these conversations are more than likely or have at least gone through something difficult in their lives. So Mm. if you can like go back and tell yourself from like seven years ago or even like three years ago, when you're going through those like several years of difficulty, um, what would you tell yourself so that you can begin to heal? I think the first thing that came to mind was just like, take your time Mm. because there's that feeling at least, you know, at that age that I was at, I was like, you know, weeks went by and you still don't feel better. And then months go by and it almost got worse at that point. And I was like, like, I I don't have time to feel this way. Like I need to figure out what I'm, where I'm going. How am I making rent this month? How am I, what am I going to school for? What it like, what am I even doing out here anymore? You know? And, and I think that, um, I just really put a lot, a lot of pressure on myself to like buck up, you know, like mm-hmm. suck it up, buttercup, you, you know, that that's life. And, 
And um, even just talking about it out loud, I think is something that like just openly weeping with a friend that you don't have to worry about judging you or whatever, you know, it's like, I would take your time and don't hold it at anything. And like, let that shit go. Right. Even if you're not a writer, I think that that's huge. I think that putting things on paper mm-hmm. is uh, a really important process to, to healing. And I think it could help. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard because everyone's different, but I would just say, take your time. Don't feel like you have to grieve in any way. And, you know, me and my mother and my sister and my, like, everyone in my family, we all handled it differently. And like that alone is hard because you want someone to almost handle it the way you handle it, but you're not really handling it great either. And, Mm -hmm. and that's okay. There's not Mm -hmm. a right way to handle it, but I would just say, just make sure you're as good to yourself as you can. Don't let yourself not eat. Don't let yourself not sleep. Don't, Just don't be bad to yourself during that time because you need yourself more than you ever have. And I really wasn't there for me when I needed me. You know, uh, it sounds like almost contrary because, okay, people are going to make me cry. (laughs) That's okay. Safe space. We can cry. We can both. Honestly, I'm going through like a lot of difficult moments in my life as well right now. Um, so a lot of turbulence. And so I really resonate with everything you're saying right now, but I was going to say that a lot of people, you know, they're like, it's okay. Like you can get through this. It's going to be okay. Just like keep positive. And I think that the most positive thing that you can do is not be positive. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's okay. Just, you don't have to be positive. There's a reason that negativity exists. There's a reason that the yin yang looks the way it does and works the way it does. It's, you do not always have to be positive. And that's the best form of positivity you can do for yourself to just feel negative. I mean, let's face it. Like a lot of us know that it's going to be okay. We know that it's going to work out. We'll figure it out. We've gone this far in life. That's not what the point is. It's, it's feeling and acknowledging like, this is not comfortable. This is not where I want to be. This is not something that I was expecting. And like, that's okay. I'm allowed to feel that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Let yourself feel it. There's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think, I think that you, you can seriously hurt yourself by not letting, letting those things come out and, and feel, I think you do a lot more damage the other way for mm-hmm. sure. And this is kind of a complicated question, but um, we can get into why it's complicated. Nothing less. <laughs> well, it's, it's complicated, but it's not. The question is, are you happy now? Yes, for sure. What does that mean? Um, I'm happy because I know, I know that I'm being good in all aspects of my life. I feel like I've, I feel like I've just kind of proved to myself that I could be, you know, a really good person and. You know, I mean, it's not everyone's accidentally hurt someone's feelings or something. And, you know, there's people that like that like that feeling. And then there's people that go, oh, gosh, like, I don't want to hurt anybody. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of where I went. I was like, whoa, I I hurt someone and I hate this. And um, it just all comes back to, I guess, like doing a lot of 
work in the past two years, having the time with this whole pandemic to really like look inward and be like, what, what can I do to make life better and for myself and the people around me? And I don't know, I feel like, you know, there's just an aura around you and how you carry yourself. And I feel like I am truly putting my best into the world at this point. And I feel like the world has really like gotten a little lighter for me. Like it's giving me that same energy. It's kind of like, it's going to be okay, Scuff. Don't worry, bud. You know, like the world feels a little more like comforting right now. And uh, I'm just really grateful. I have like all these really nice people, you know, saying that they connect with my music and I have a, a home. I rent, but I have a home with my girlfriend and, you know, it's just like, I feel, I feel very homey right now. I feel comfy. Gratitude. Gratitude is really important. And, um, you know, reaffirming yourself of I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling I'm, I'm alive. I'm good. I have shelter over my head. Like yes. I am eating, I'm taking care of myself. And actually, again, reminds me of your song Timber, because I found a lot of like words of affirmation in that song, but yeah. Um, I was going to say, can you define what happiness means? Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that is. I, I, I guess. Like, I feel like I, whatever I say is going to just be like so much more complicated than what it is, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like happiness is complicated as fuck. <laughs> it's like the most complicated thing in the world. It's crazy because <laughs> everyone wants it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's only attainable through yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, nothing outwardly for moments will make you happy. A new car will make you happy you know sure for a moment a new mm -hmm. pair of shoes but it's like all that material shit and uh, none of that matters and it's like i think it really just comes to an inner peace i think it really really comes to like feeling like your uh playing a positive role in the world Mm -hmm. I guess um, for me, just like, I don't know, like holding a door for an old man and he just goes, thanks, young blood. I'm like, that made me happy. It's just like um, little moments. I think that truly like allowing yourself to talk to strangers, like the cashier at Aldi's. I have a great time with them every time I'm there. <laughs> 30 second interaction. But it's like, you know, those were the things that I missed during the pandemic was just talking to people and waving to people mm -hmm. i'm insane like i wave to everyone and people are like who are you <laughs> i'm just i don't know i just like i, I like i like acknowledging people and seeing people and i think that like you know making people smile like a lot of it is a lot of it is giving and 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 then inner peace and Gosh, it's every moving part in your life, I guess. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, touching on COVID, you know, it sounds like obviously COVID was a terrible and difficult thing, like oh my awful God. and terrible for everyone. But um, 
It yeah. In any sense, no matter where you were, it was just not good. Exactly. But at the same time, it did give, you know, people like you and myself included the opportunity to really explore yourself, your passions, your hobbies, and what you enjoy to do and like really be like, you know, the world can end tomorrow. Why am I wasting my time on shit that I just don't want and that I don't like, you know? Yeah. And it's so true. Like, I mean, you know, even, even if it's not the world, I mean, Pete, like you, you truly don't know what life has in store for you every day. So again, that mm-hmm. cliche live today, like there's no tomorrow and stuff. I mean, I just lost a friend of mine who battled, uh, drugs and depression. He was the best, you know, such an incredible dude that just you got you got hooked on hard stuff and it, it it was horrible to watch and he finally um was doing great and you know got in a car accident and that was it and it's like he's on this whole road to turning his entire life around and you know i mean that one hit me i cried for hours i was just like oh my gosh and it's, you know it's just so true it you have to do absolute best every day because what if tomorrow is the what if today is the last day yeah. it's a dark thought but it's also like if you think of that that way i do think your quality of life can improve a lot because you realize like this family dinner might not be like exactly what i wanted to do tonight or you know whatever but it's like embrace it live for that moment try to pull some great moments out of that and mm-hmm. uh yeah, you're already you know, there. Kind of commit to it. Spice it up. Yeah. If it's if you're having a boring time, spice it up. Tell a bad joke. You can tell mine. You can take credit for my joke. It's a good joke. I know. I can tell it again. <laughs> I know that everyone wants to hear it again. <laughs> but um, I I, I want to ask you though, like, what would you mm-hmm. define as happiness? Because I'm interested. I, it's such a hard thing to put into a definition, or uh, I mean. I just blabbed down. I don't even know if that made sense, but I think it made I sense. I think you touched on a lot of really important things. Hmm. What does happy happiness mean? Um, that's a great question. And it actually reminds me of my conversation with my therapist not long ago about, um, you know, what does it mean to rest? And for me resting for a while, for a long time, it meant, you know, sleeping, um, doing some stretches, taking a bath, relaxing, but, at the bottom of it, that is not what rest really meant to me. Um, It meant balance. And I think that kind of plays a huge role in happiness as well, where, you know, you can be going through a really difficult time and you can, you're allowed to not enjoy that time. You're allowed to really acknowledge that it's a difficult time, but you can still find happiness within it in the sense that you will love yourself throughout those difficult moments. And, um, Mm -hmm gratitude as well. I, my part of my morning ritual is writing in my little gratitude journal every day, everything that I'm grateful for. And it's funny because it started off as manifestations, you know, uh, one day I'm going, or I am yeah. you know, performing in front of like thousands of people. And I'm like this famous sure. songwriter, blah, blah. And it's like, those are all very superficial markers of success. And I'm only like, I've only recently sure. come to that conclusion where I'm like, why do I want all those things? And, you know, yeah. it could be, needing validation because you might have missed out on it growing up in some way or another. Um, and you can get that validation from your best friend, from your cat, from your bed, from your journal. You can get like that sense of validation from anything. So I guess for me, happiness just means balance and 
trying your best to love yourself because that can be a very difficult thing to do. It's hard to love ourselves, but it's the effort that counts and it's the intention that counts. Um, And I don't think you need to be like a super spiritual person. Mind you, I think I am a pretty spiritual person, (laughs) but yeah, but I don't think you need to be at all. No, I don't think so either. You know, like you can express gratitude every day. You don't need to be religious. You don't need to be spiritual. Um, You could just say, Hey, like, you know, I'm grateful for the snow on the ground outside, or I'm grateful for the sun in the sky, like in the warmth that it provides, you know, there's like a lot of things to be grateful for. And I think that we often forget about the little things and it's valid to forget about the little things when there's big things going on in your life. But yeah, it's so easy to, we forget so much. And that's why I think writing, even Mm -hmm. like you do, like for someone who's not a writer to get up and just while you eat your bagel, just jot down five things that, that you are grateful for. Mm -hmm. And then maybe jot down five things that, you know, you want to get done today, or just the act of writing things down is just, it's just, it's turned my whole life around, which is pretty much why I dedicated my entire life to writing now. And, you know, made all the sacrifices to be super broke and all (laughs) those things to write. And I feel like um, through that, I mean, a lot of my friends have healed. A lot of people I've known have, have just done a lot of work through just writing. And like they, they started out writing their manifestations and it turned into, mm-hmm. you know, a daily like smart goals. I, I really like a, uh, the smart goal thing because my, my friend always kind of, I had those same things, you know, I'm going to play red rock and then I'm going to sell it out. Mm-hmm. And then and it's like, well, no one's ever been listening to my music, you know, for, for 10 years, nobody was really listening except for friends. And, you know, I still kept doing it. So I realized like, well, this is definitely not that, like, I just want people like, this is something I do no matter what. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a safe thing for me to bet on that. This is something I'm always going to do. And it just slowly has like taken over my life to where I get certain jobs so that I can write and play out and do all the things that I do on my end. And it's, it's truly dictated my whole life, but um, in a sense, like it also really did like save me type of thing, Mm. just writing, not music, not Mm. just writing in general. Yeah. Saved my life. For yeah. Real. Back in 2019. Um, and it doesn't have to be a lot of writing whatsoever. Back in 2019, I wrote on a little cue card every day, just three things that I'm grateful for. And I can confidently say 2019 was hands down the best year that I have ever lived. Um, that's amazing. And that's just because, you know, just three things that I'm grateful for every day, even, even if the day is hard, just I'm grateful to, for my for my bed. I'm grateful for my new toothbrush, whatever it is. Like I'm grateful for my friends, my support system. Um, so I think that expressing gratitude does go a long way. Writing goes such a long way. And you spoke a little bit about sacrifices. So is your music, what prompted you to drop out of college and make that sacrifice? Um, for the most part. Yeah. Um, I did actually, I dropped out of community college and, I decided that I wanted to pursue music full time mm-hmm. and uh, which didn't mean not having a full time job. It meant having two full time jobs in Chicago, uh, which was I worked at a pizza shop and I was teaching children's art class. So the pizza shop closed at 5 a.m. 
And we were like an all night pizza shop and it was Mm -hmm. ridiculous. So I would work until 5 a.m. I would get off of work and then like go sleep for an hour and then go teach children's art class. Like it was a ridiculous schedule just to survive, you know? Um, So, I mean, I guess sacrifices was, you know, I went back to college for music engineering Mm. because I knew how expensive it was to be in and out of studios and, you know, try writing a song in a studio where it's $200 an hour. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's pretty hard to get work done when you're like, all right, that line cost me $60. That guitar riff cost me $500. Like, you know, it's like, uh, it really takes away from the freedom of just relaxing and writing. So my whole thought was, I'm going to go to college for something that benefits my craft. So I learned how to record and I did all these things. And a very similar story, my audio teacher, basically, it was a lecture class, 120, 40 kids, something like that. And he basically called me up after a test and he was like, look, man, you are like failing my class. He's like, you're failing every test. And it was all math. You know, it was if I yell into this corner of the wall at 16 feet away from it, how long does it take for my voice to bounce off that corner and hit this mic right here? And I was like, no, like <laughs> I have no idea. I would just move the mic around till it sounded good, you know? <laughs> And so he basically straight up was like, you're wasting your money. You know what you're doing. You know how to make things sound pretty good, man. Like it's not always correct or the right way to do it. He goes, but you know what you're doing. So like, I think you could learn more by just being hands-on outside of class and getting in studios. He goes, if I were you, I would take this. What I got, it was like $30,000 for the year. And I went to Columbia and, uh, Chicago. And like 10 years later, I finally paid that off. And, uh, you know, it was just ridiculous amounts of money for my teacher to basically just be like, dude, you don't need this. So that's two times in a row. I tried college and both my teachers were like, you're just in a field where like, you don't need to, you don't have to be here and you should probably take this money and, and buy studio equipment. And, from there, you know, it's just been like sacrifice after sacrifice and uh, everything costs money. And I feel like it, music has definitely kept me broke. Like if I mm-hmm. didn't make music, I think I would have, I think I would be all right. I think I would have next month's rent, you know, um, but I don't think I would have the quality of life and you know, I'm not somebody who spends a lot of money. I pretty much bought what I had to, to make music. And that was about it. You know, this is a 40 year old sweater from my uncle. Like I'm a hand-me-down guy. Um, you make it work though. Yeah. Every chance I get to like sacrifice something for the music I do, except for, you know, my relationships and the balance of like people I love in my life who understand that those sacrifices too. I realize I left you guys a little bit on a cliffhanger, but tune in next week to hear the rest of this episode and our amazing conversations. In the meantime, please enjoy a snippet of this beautiful song that he wrote called Magnificent. It's almost magnificent. How fucking ignorant am I? You gotta laugh or you'll cry. I got drugs. I want to 
full of everything I love and hate And the heaviness of things I can't change And readiness to change in many ways It's full of pain, of course But aren't we all feeling pain? Of course we are Of course we are I must be dumb enough for the both of us to think we could do any better Taking long enough for the rest of us to catch on that we could do better Can't stress hard enough, I never thought that I'd still be here doing anything at all Like I ever get enough of it It's almost magnificent, how fucking ignorant am I? You gotta laugh, or you'll cry Botox Cosmetic Autobotulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you're an artist and you've got a story to share with a passion for music, please do reach out. Whether you're just starting out or you've been in the music industry for years, I would love to hear your story. Follow me on Instagram through my handle at Music Mentality with Angie. Or email me at Music Mentality with Angie at gmail.com. Finally, a huge shout out and thank you to the amazing editor behind these episodes, Aileen Tamer. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time.